Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of React Roundup. I am your host today, TJ Van Toll, and with me on the panel, I have Jack Harrington. Hello. And our special guest today, we have Colin Pfeiffer. Colin, welcome to React Roundup. Hi, nice to be here. Cool. Well, Colin, maybe you could start by just telling us a little bit about who you are, what you do, why you're famous, all those good sorts of things. Well, I am I'm a student. I'm currently studying psychology and computer science, and I'm a self-taught developer. I've been coding for about five, six years, and I love computer science. I love the programming aspect and the problem solving behind it. And it's been a, it's been a passion of mine, and I love writing about it. So probably where you see me most on Medium, but yeah, that's really that's that's my background in it. Hey, folks, this is Charles Maxwood. I've been talking to a whole bunch of people that want to update their resume and find a better job, and I figure, well, why not just share my resume? So you, if you go to topendevs.com/resume, enter your name and email address, then you'll get a copy of the resume that I use that I've used through freelancing through my, most of my career as I've kind of refined it and tweaked it to get me the jobs that I want. Uh, like I said, topendevs.com slash resume will get you that. And uh, you can just kind of use the formatting. It comes in Word and Pages formats, and you can just fill it in from there. Excellent. Yeah, because I know we, I, I do want to chat. I'm very curious about what computer science education is like today and being a self-taught developer. So we're going to get to that. But you did mention that you have been writing, and that's why we reached out, because you wrote an article about why create React app is outdated in 2022, which is, and you've got a talent for writing. That's a nice, like, controversial, like, uh, <laughs> you know, attention grabbing, attention grabbing title. So maybe you could start by telling our audience, like, uh, the, you know, like the short version, the cliff notes of that. Why, why is create React app outdated? Well, I, I personally think create React app is outdated because when I was first learning React, it was the way that I was taught. Like, you know, it was, the way that you just bundled everything together into a single single file and it ran and that's how it was. And so looking back on that now, after learning through some of more advanced concepts of React and seeing those different frameworks like Next.js and Gatsby and seeing how they decouple some of those internal tools, it made a lot more sense to me to just show it like beginning off. Like why would you, it's like, like take Python and C++, like Python internalizes pointers and a lot of those things compared to C++ yet the pro, lets the programmer do it themselves. And so I think, I think personally letting people learn that themselves first off is a way better thing than internalizing it to begin with. So hmm. yeah, it's interesting. I remember the first time I used create react app, your, your first thought is like, wow, this is magic. Like, how is this actually working. But then I also remember they there's a process in Create React app where you can essentially like jailbreak or what I yeah, eject. eject. Eject is eject. the right term. You eject and you're like, oh okay. That like your first thought is like, oh that gives me some peace of mind, right? I can always get out of this. But then when you do eject, you get to see what Create React is actually doing. And all of a sudden yeah. there's like all these files and there's like this webpack file that looks like it's just I, you know it's just chaos. It's like thousands oh, yeah. of thousands of lines of code and it also gives you reservations like man i'm like depending on this right for my my production workflow and so it's it's always been an interesting trade-off for me where it's like yes there's a lot of power with create react app but you're also relying on a whole lot of magic <laughs> for your applications oh yeah i totally agree so i think i think getting rid of that magic is a good first step in being able to figure out what's underneath the hood so what does that mean though so if I'm just random developer, I mean, normally you basically got 
two choices. You've got create React app, or let's face it, Next.js. Yeah. You could throw like Redwood and, and Remix in there too, but that's really, so what are you, what are you proposing then? Or do you just roll your own, I suppose? I mean, I, I'm proposing at least learning how to, if, if using create React app, at least figuring out what's underneath the hood. Sure. My, okay. My next step after, after using create React app was just trying to, I built my own Webpack bundler and trying to figure out like, you know, what's going on underneath, like trying to, trying to see like what's happening behind the scenes, like what's making this work. And I think Next.js does a way better job of, of that than Create React, does, Create React app does. So that's why I would push it. It's definitely interesting to pull back. Like it's, it's, a, it's a sort of classical technological thing where sometimes if you can pull back the veil on the tech you're using, because even, you, even if you ultimately decide to come back to Create React app, that knowing a little bit more about how your code is bundled and how those technologies work can just come in handy because I just little things like you'll understand error messages better. You'll understand what's happening during your build. You'll have some more flexibility later on because it's sort of inevitably you can't escape bundlers. If you're a front-end developer, you might want to escape bundlers. I certainly do, but you like just knowing how these things work has value just sort of in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's get lost that's what gets lost in using create react app like just assuming that the magic is just going to take care of it all on its own and not really seeing what's going to be happening underneath the hood. And so I mean if that's not going to happen right away then I think it's definitely something to be brought back on and try and figure it out on your own. Yeah, you definitely get a sense when you create when you eject about how much they put in for DX. There's a ton in there. I mean all the hot module reloading configurations and everything else. I mean that it, you know, the, the, there's a it's a lot of tricky work in there, and then there's a lot of like asset management stuff. Like if you're bringing in SVGs and all of you know, and CSS and how that's handled. Mm-hmm. There's just a yeah. ton of different configuration around that. Which you know, I mean, in the case of like the asset stuff, that might be something you'd look for as you're making something for that production. But the DX stuff is nice, but not necessarily. You don't need to have it. Although, man, probably got it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I still like I very much I I still use Create React app all the time and I think for for anything like quick and dirty like where you don't want to get into the the nitty-gritty, it's it's absolutely amazing for stuff like that. Like I need a I need a demo, I need a prototype, I need to see if this is going to work. I need to to put something out there. At that point I've I very much do not want to care about bundler or bundling. I very much want to just focus on my problem I'm trying to solve and put that all in the background. So in those cases, Create React App is a slam dunk. Where I think it gets trickier is the more like, I'd say like advanced sort of customized, like if you're building an app for the real long term and you have some real big case, like a big enterprise app that's going to be around for a while, those are the cases where having something more custom and fine-tuned and something that's not as heavy becomes a lot more important, at least in my mind. No, oh, yeah, I totally agree. I think I think if something quick and dirty like that, create React app makes sense. But I think it's being I think it was being pushed more to like beginners and just like everybody in general when really it should be used just to like, as you said, an MVP or something really quick. You know, I forgot Vite. Vite's also really great for this stuff. And it's mm. so fast. Have you tried it? No, I have not. Oh, it's excellent. Yeah, you should give it a go. I mean it is Vite. boom, 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 boom to bring up. V I T, not V E E T. It's like the, the French <laughs> way of saying it. Vite for like it comes out of the view crew, but it's actually it works for like React, Svelte, React, whatever you want. Solid. 
Oh, yeah. I mean, with those things, like bundling to HTML files is usually the way that I would want to yeah. go. Like, like doing like something like that instead of um, bundling to like JS and then doing like going through that extra layer of, of, of interpretation is just not worth it, in my opinion. So you mentioned uh, earlier that you thought Next sort of does it better. So uh, could you maybe dig into that a little bit? Because to me, like I, I, Next is probably the biggest. That's what we use for our production uh, code bases. And I will say that it it feels very similar to Create React App in that it's basically magic, right? Like I have no, <laughs> I could not tell you, I couldn't even tell you what technology it's using under the hood to make my app magically appear when I type npm dev or what npm run dev or whatever, right? So I'm curious in your in your mind, like what makes Next different? Why you think it 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 sort of does the job better? Well, yeah, in my opinion, I think their addition of directly being able to work with like their own internal server with API calls and their way of working with internal tools such as headers and page management and stuff like that makes it a much better thing than having to, you know, use a React router or having to use Helmet and stuff like that, where it's like it's already built in, but they do it in such a way that it makes sense for the average developer to use. And I like their way they bought like they bundled to HTML. They, they have SCSS built in, like stuff like that. It's just like why 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 do you not have that? Like what what's stopping <laughs> you from from putting the good stuff in? So it doesn't. It's like I'm I'm just confused. Like I I just I don't know. But that's that's why I've always pushed for Next.js or even Gatsby. Like Gatsby's. Gatsby's like environment and their community that they have behind mm-hmm. even like their CMS support that they have for like WordPress. It's insane. Like that is the that is the way that to bundle to HTML and CSS. So I think I think those two would be better in my opinion. It's interesting because Next is also fairly heavy in a sense, but they sort of have opinionated decisions. So whereas Create React App sort of tries to support everything, right? Like it's 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 kind of intended for like you could bring in your TypeScript if you want or CSS modules if you want like right it, it supports all these different workflows and next is just more just put you on this path right you're you're going to build your apps sort of this way this is how you're going to do routing and sure you can customize it a little bit but it it seems to be m- more opinionated and if you like those opinions <laughs> it makes it a a pretty appealing way to build apps Yeah, I think that's honestly kind of an issue. Like with front end, like there really is no, like if you look up, like how do you make a React component? There's like 10 different answers. Like there isn't really like one most efficient, best way to do it. And so I think having those scaffolding, like having those opinions, having that way of saying, this is the way that we think is best is a great way for people to start out and be able to get a sense of how to build an app in their own way and gain a way towards being a more efficient React developer. Yeah, there's definitely been a bunch of transitions over the years. And I think that's when you look back through like a Stack Overflow or you're getting hints from GitHub Copilot, which is basically feeding off of that and also GitHub. You're basically getting a whole bunch of like, oh, this is this is class components. And you're like, oh, what, you know, should I use that? Should I not use that? I don't know. If you're just coming into it from the outside, it's like, no, 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 you should be using functional components all the time, 100% nowadays. But, yeah. you know, like there's just all that information out there and it's hard to know which one's the right way to go. And I think, yeah, you're right, next, it's pretty it's pretty modern in that sense. You know, the, the way that they have, have done everything up in, in the like Next.js routine is very, very modern. It's cool. And they keep it up to date. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the keeping it up to date is interesting because that's always been, that's one factor that has held true for the 20-ish years I've been in front of development is you always want to trust 
whatever you're building with. And I think one mm. thing new to that equation or trust that it's going to stick around and be updated and whatever. And the thing about Next is it has, you know, however many millions of dollars they've raised in venture funding and whatnot that <laughs> is kind of a strange uh, thing to enter the, the front-end world. But uh, at the same time, it gives you confidence that they have the money and the, the incentive to keep that thing around, to keep it updated, to add new features. So it's weird because it makes it more of a, a solid pick because of that. Yeah, I think having the money backing it and it being open source are two great things that make it yeah. a really good tool. It's also funny that like Create React app seemed like it, was, it seems like it's such a thing. I mean, it comes out of the React team, I think of it. Originally. Yeah, maybe it still does. Yeah, and but you look at Next.js, at least with thirteen, and you're getting things like React server components and stuff like that. That's like the bleeding edge, and yeah. so you're not actually getting the bleeding edge with a thing that the React team creates, which, which is like what. But I, I mean, yeah. the problem has always been the server. There's no, you know, CRA is meant to go and build a static build. You deploy to like S3 or your CDN or whatever. Mm-hmm. Basically like Gatsby, but not without without the page routing and all that. And Next.js has always had the server stuff. That's It's server first. And that helps when it comes to React server components. Oh, yeah, totally. I think having like server side, like SSR, having like SRA, stuff like that in the back end makes it so much better for building like full stack components compared to just a front end or just like that initial component that people can see. And so I think also building on top of that, like getting more people to not only think of the front end, but also how that impacts the API and the servers that they work with and how like that entire infrastructure works together is a great, a great way of maybe making people more considerate of the full stack environment. Just as an update, the Create React app is still under the Facebook organization on GitHub, so which they have not renamed to Meta yet. Although I mean, like, it would be a huge pain in the butt. Can you <laughs> like having oh, yeah. CIDC scripts that have to be changed. Ugh. Although if you go to their org, github.com slash Facebook, it just says Meta. It's got the yeah. Meta logo, and well, but they <laughs> they still have the name. It's that's easy uh, to fix. Yeah. You know. It's just fun to think about the, the, there's, you know, there's a meeting at Facebook about (laughs) when we, (laughs) how do we switch that over? Yeah. It's like, do we change it? Do we not? Like what's going on? Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. So you're mentioning that you're getting, or or we're talking about your educational background and how you got into all this. Do you think that front end is is the easiest way to kind of start out into software? Is it it where you started out? Yeah, it, it is where I started out. I started out learning front end for a hackathon a couple oh, like, nice yeah it's a couple of years ago and then from there it kind of just like sparked my interest in the entire infrastructure and so i used i used create react app for this hackathon and i made a mental health uh, counseling website yeah and it, it did really well and so like that really sparked like my interest of programming further and finding finding stuff to further that. And so I got into Node.js, Express, MongoDB, like all, all the stuff that just led into like the Mern stack. And so like from there, obviously, it kind of it made it a lot easier, for, at least for me, to transition from front end to server side because I was able to see like how API calls were interpreted in React and then how I could build that on my own. And so I would, yeah, that's, I would say that's probably the easiest way of doing it. The Mern stack too is Mongo, Express, React, and Node. For anybody else that needed that acronym looked up. <laughs> Amazing how much Mongo is still around in a thing, you know? I, I would have yeah, it is. Okay. It is. I like GraphQL. For better as well. Yes. Yeah. I love GraphQL. GraphQL is great. It's, uh, yeah. 
Like that's, I've been using that so much, honestly, like it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. So, so you said you're a, a self-taught developer, but it sounds like you're also going for a computer science degree at the moment. So what's the, what's the motivation behind that? Well, I mean, obviously being a self-taught developer is cool and everything, but also having that degree to back you up also has some say in the play. So I think, yeah. I think having both of those things would be great. And also just furthering my computer science knowledge in, in the higher education world would be a great, a great move for me. So that, that's my personal play for it. And also just meeting, meeting people like myself, meeting people who want to learn to program and want to code just in like the networking side of things. Hey there, this is Charles Maxwood. I'm excited because I wanted to let you know about this thing that I pulled together that I had just, I've been dying to have this for years and I never felt like I could. And then I just realized that there's no reason why I can't. So um, I'm putting together a book club and we're going to read development focused books, career books, you know, uh, technical books, whatever. The first book that we're going to do is going to be Clean Architecture by Uncle Bob Martin. If you're not familiar with Clean Code or some of the other stuff that Bob has done, check that out. I've also talked to him on the Clean Coders podcast, which is on Top End Devs. But uh, yeah, we're going to get on. He's going to show up to some of our meetings. And what I'm thinking is we'll probably have like five or six people uh, part of the conversation along with Bob and I at the same time. And we'll just, uh, so somebody can come on, they can ask their question. And then we'll just ro- rotate people through. So we'll we'll mute one person, unmute another person when it's their turn to come on and, and be part of the discussion. So we'll do that for like an hour, hour and a half. And then the other part of it that I'm putting together is just kind of a meet and greet gather area on Gather Town. And so after the the meetup and the call, what we'll do is we'll all go over to Gather Town and you can just log in, walk up to a group and have a conversation. And that way we can all kind of get to know each other and and make friends and, and get to know people across the world. Uh, one thing that I'm finding is that, yeah, the meetups are starting to come back, but a lot of people don't have the opportunity to go to a meetup. And I really want to meet you guys and talk to you. So we're going to put all that together. It'll all be part of that book club. You can go to topendevs.com slash book club to be part of it. And I'm looking forward to seeing you there. The first book club meeting will be in December, the beginning of December. We're starting the first week of December. and um, you'll also be part of the conversation about which book we do next. I have one in mind, but I want to see where everybody's at. So there you go. Okay. <laughs> all right. All right. <laughs> Here comes. Yeah. Yeah. So what's your review of this though? Cause like my, my daughter is going through, you know, EECS and man, the courses are like, so retro. It's like C++, man. Yo, really? You're going to yeah. learn C++? What year is it again? Anyways, is it relevant? Like, are you, I mean, are you teaching your teachers? No, I mean, that's honestly a hard question. I think, <laughs> well, because I learned so it's, it's Java and Python is mainly like what they're using to teach. And like, All right. All right. I think those are kind of re- like, you know, Java no, 50, like Java 50, yeah. 50, but like Python, Python, def- Python definitely relevant. Okay. Yeah, yeah, definitely relevant. And so it's like those things I think are useful, but then they don't really require us to learn C++ or C or any of those like lower level languages. It's honestly probably useful because like who's going to use those nowadays? Like, <laughs> and so I think I think that they're doing a, they're doing a good job of adapting to the real world um, to some degree. But I definitely do believe that some some colleges do take the liberty of just teaching their students whatever they think is best instead of listening to what the job market is looking for, what people right. are actually using nowadays. So Yeah, that's good to hear because I think actually Java and Python is a pretty good mix, honestly, because I feel like the Java is still probably the biggest 
language out there in terms of like enterprise <laughs> companies, places where you might get a job, right? So it, it, I feel like you also need some language that it can teach you about object orientation and such, just because a lot of languages use that as well. Because I remember when I graduated, which was it's getting to the, the point where doing the math is a little <laughs> troubling, but when I graduated, <laughs> when I graduated 15 years ago, the, my college was switching from C, C++ to Java. So mm-hmm. I learned everything with C++ and then sort of retired it <laughs> knowledge <laughs> because I, I didn't end up using it for, for many, many years. So it's good to hear that uh, you're, it, it's somewhat modern, but I am curious, is there any web development being taught as part of the, the computer science program? Not really, no. What? So, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh they don't God. have a lot. Uh, there is not a lot what? of web development in higher ed. Yeah. And like it's it's all like under graphic design or like it's it's really weird how they like portray, it, even though like like web development is like the number one place that software engineers go. Like everyone yeah. does web yeah. development. And so it's like the fact that they're not teaching this. It's like what are th- what are they trying to teach their students? So I'm 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 just as confused as you guys are. Like I, I have no idea what they're teaching. <laughs> and it's so mm, there's so many parts of CS that are really pivotal in learning and understanding things like React, really understanding them. Like you know the closure mm-hmm. stuff, and there's like a really interesting aspects of of the language that you have to learn to understand React and are really grounded in cs and it, but yeah it's given this kind of like oh it's an artsy fartsy thing and <laughs> yeah it's like, what the heck man it's not artsy fartsy it is yeah, really exactly. hard guys <laughs> like seriously yes. i am i've been doing this for a long time i can i'll do a hot take and say god dang it it's it, it's harder <laughs> than making that express server to serve an api <laughs> what does that take connect to mongo grab some <laughs> grab some stuff sh- shoot it out the door whatever no that's valid i totally agree i i like I think front end is harder than back end. Yeah, uh, man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah. But like the optimist, like people can argue that like optimizing the back end is hard, but like I feel like everyone, like they've been doing it for years, but like optimizing the front end, like that's hard. Like <laughs> making making it efficient to call APIs and show it, that's hard. And, so. and getting it to run on every single browser uh-huh. and, you know, responsively. It's, it's huge. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But I think like that might be the reason not to teach it because I, <laughs> I, I will say that like, I don't think JavaScript should be the first language you learn, honestly, just because there's so many weird little quirks that like you get used to over time. But if it's the first thing you learn, like you start to go down some weird rabbit holes of, of teaching, like how objects work in JavaScript and how like the, the primitive types and the like typecasting and all of that gets a it's it's a little bit wonky as a first language and the, the browser is a little bit wonky as well that i think it's in one you can see both sides right in one case that's why it's important to teach because people yeah. are going to realistically deal with it but on the other hand it's 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 messy as like an introductory type of thing yeah i think i think introductory maybe not the best start but overall <laughs> yeah. it definitely needs to be taught yeah so. cuz everybody who doesn't honestly who doesn't at least touch front-end code nowadays, even if you're a back-end person, just knowing how the browser works and like being able to understand the basics, I feel like is really a fundamental skill of computer science at this point. It's the most, the most common runtime of code by like a lot. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Like the internet exists for a reason and people need to respect it for that. So (laughs) 
And this is how TJ tells people that he's never worked in a big company without telling them that he's never worked in a big company. <laughs> I worked at Nike, and I'm telling you, the back end folks there, they were like, I, I don't know. What do you, what is this HTLM? <laughs> what is what are you what, what is that? I don't know. Like, what? What? Uh, no, but no, I worked I worked in big insurance. The the oh, all right. the back the back end people though, like at least had to be aware, right? Like sometimes they had to, <laughs> sometimes they had to use the web app to test their backend code, right? Like this, you have to create some set of circumstances and knowing, I mean, hey, maybe you just got to read JavaScript errors and figure things out <laughs> better. Postman all day. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that, I mean, they do have to know like, okay, if, if the front end's going to make, it's going to be viewing, putting this data on a page, right? It, it needs to not be an N plus one REST uh-huh. query, you know, obviously helped by GraphQL, but yeah. There's some yeah. some amount of talking that needs to happen. <laughs> yeah, GraphQL solves a lot of those issues, though. <sighs> you know, yeah. different different story completely. So, so Colin, we have a lot of listeners that are just starting off developing into the the, the front end world. I'm curious from your experience. You know, you found your way on this podcast. You started writing. You've put some articles out there. Uh, what tips do you have for people just getting started in terms of getting their names out there, finding a job, best like courses right or, or learning material like just i'm just curious like a grab bag of tips for people in that sort of position yeah i think honestly like being in tutorial hell is like the worst part of it like get <laughs> get yourself in front of a computer and code and you'll like get there 10 times quicker like i think people get stuck in just watching youtube videos like i was stuck there like just watching youtube videos to like figure everything else out about like the front end the back end like it's not worth it. Like I, I learn so much more just building the stuff on my own than I ever would um, watching a video about it. And so I think that number one, also number two is just like asking for help. Like I think I think there's a huge stigma around like asking other people for help in computer science. You know, like nobody knows everything. We all Google. We all Google stuff. It like no one's immune to that. And so I think just being more open about asking other people, whether your friends or people online, like you know, how do you do this? How do you do that? It's gonna be a lot easier for you. I think in terms of courses though, I took a couple of courses on Udemy that were really helpful. Stephen Greider, he's really good in terms of React and and Node.js. And then I'll like Free Code Camp. They have some great stuff for everything. And then I personally use VS Code um, as my IDE. And getting a job, poof, that's that's a hard thing to break into. Breaking into the job market as a self-taught developer is definitely difficult. But I think good steps would be either A, being like freelancing. So I I I worked as a freelancer for a little while and that was able to build my resume quite a bit, working with projects, working directly with clients, putting like some stuff on my resume to say like, hey, I do know what I'm doing. People pay me for my work. Like I'm not a nobody. I think that really can help you get your foot in the door. Also just taking unpaid internships, you know, a little bit like I'm not for unpaid internships. Let me say, I think all internships should be paid. But if you want to gain the experience, it's a pretty easy way of getting your foot in the door and saying, hey, I did work with a huge company. I did this, I did that. Like showing you have some experience in the field can definitely make it easier for getting a job. And then obviously grinding lead code or whatever you have to do. Ah. That, which obviously not, I don't like doing that. Nobody likes doing it, but it's just a part of being 
a programmer is having to learn data structures, learn algorithms, and learn how to vomit it back up in an interview. So <laughs> just how it is. Those are great. And it echoes some tips we've had before. I think one of our one of our go-to is like just build, right? Like yeah. and mm-hmm. I, I, I think too, like if you especially if you have something you want to build that's real for you. So it's not like tutorials are great, but it's gonna you're gonna be way more motivated if you're building something that you actually want to exist, right? Automate something in your house or build some dashboard of, of data you want to see or build a yeah. website for your uh, you know, s- small business or friend's small business or something like that. Because if it's real, uh, you'll feel motivated to do it. And then like when you get stuck, then you can go to YouTube and watch Jack's YouTube videos on how to solve... <laughs> The specific problem because you're going to want to solve it because otherwise your your website's not going to exist. So you're not going to just give up on this task. You'll you're more likely to see it through and and get it done. No, oh, yeah, totally. I totally agree. Building it is just the number one way to get there. I think, and, and that's how you got started, right? Yeah. You built yeah. out that app, and that got got your juices flowing. And I, I think that's that's how it always is. And I think there's so many cool things that you can get into now that you have that that skill set. Like you can take your psychology background. And I think there's a lot of psychology in UI. And mm-hmm. with your Python stuff, there's some data sciences in there and you know, potentially doing some visualizations on, on data sciences. Oh, it's, yeah. Yeah. There's lots of different yeah, things. Like, yeah, it's just like, even just starting out just gives you so many more opportunities than if you didn't start. And so I'm trying to think what else I even use, but just taking taking the time to like, and also don't rush yourself. I think lots of people Mm. like taking that, like, you know, I'm going to learn how to code in three months, six months, nine months. Like when you set your boundary, those boundaries for yourself, it really like forces you to not really learn and just, you know, check it off, like check off the boxes, you know what I'm saying? And so like giving yourself that time to learn it and understand it and then move forward is a lot better. And then there's also this GitHub repo. It's called like the front end, what is it called? The front end roadmap or whatever. Uh-huh. That is really helpful for just seeing uh-huh. like what technologies to learn and what things to learn next or what else do you want to learn. So to give our folks some a little perspective, like how long do you think it took you to become a developer who could land a job in the industry? Probably maybe like a year and a half, two years, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you get these folks out there who are saying you can do it in 60 days? No. Th- that's impossible. Yeah. Like, no. Like, okay, computer science is like a different way of thinking compared yeah. to regular, like, it's like, it's not just teaching you the stuff, it's teaching you how to think about it correctly. It will change your brain. Yes, yeah, it does. <laughs> yes. yes. I mean, so, you'll be out of dinner and people will be thinking like one way and you're like, rrr, 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 rrr. You know, yeah, you're, literally. You're, new, you're a mutant. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's a different way of thinking, a different way of taking in data and thinking about it. Like, it's a completely different way of thinking that you have to teach yourself. And so that's not something you can do in 60 days. Like, that's not something you can do in 90 days. Like, it takes a long time. So I don't think people realize that. Yeah, those of us that have been doing it for a long time, we're still learning. I I, I think the the crazy thing, especially for front-end developers, is that there really truly is an absolute enormous amount of stuff to learn. Oh, so. Lord. You have to be somewhat humble and realize that, uh, I mean, I've been doing this for a long time. There's lots of parts of the stack that I'm using that I have no idea how they work, right? Like there's there's some core technologies that everybody's going to have to learn, but you have to realize that you're never, ever going to learn it all because you're all there's always going to be new things. And so it's a bit of embracing learning the, the, the core stuff, 
and then maybe learning the stuff that interests you, right? The the because everybody has some sort of specialization, some something they learn. So something that you enjoy building or solves a problem for you are, are great things to learn. And eventually, uh, you'll you'll be proficient enough that you can start to get into the industry. And then once you do, that tends to unlock a lot more doors from there. Learn and relearn. I can't tell you how many times I've relearned oh Flexbox. Oh, <laughs> oh my yeah, god! Totally. Justify content. Which one is that? Is that the is that the horizontal vertical i don't know yeah i have to look at like you go to like the web oh yeah to melt like it's just like the chart and it's just like what like what do they do like tell yeah me, yeah tell yeah me I, to do. I, I, I google for flex yeah flex cheat sheet and it's like yeah. the first first purple link it's like yep that's the one okay yeah, exactly you know, i know exactly what you're talking about yeah there's mm-hmm. that same chris coyer article that he wrote on flexbox that is like <laughs> an amazing reference that I'm pretty sure he's retired to some Caribbean Island. Right, he just threw right. like two ads on that page. And like, <laughs> for me alone, I've probably personally paid for at least uh, an Island or two, just cause I view that thing. Every time I need Flexbox, I can't remember this stupid syntax. So, and every, I mean, Yes. Yeah. I Flexbox is everything really, honestly. I want to bring one, uh, one additional tip that Colin, you didn't actually mention, but to write about your experiences is quite mm-hmm. valuable as well. Cause I mean, that's how we reached out to you. That's how we knew you existed, right? Because you'd written about it and clearly you have some writing talent through maybe your, your, you know, your other background or the other schooling that you, you went to, and that can be amazingly valuable as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think writing just in any profession is very helpful. It's an underdeveloped talent. I think being able to voice yourself through writing and being able to show your opinions um, thoughtfully and correctly is, is very helpful just in any profession, like whether you're going, cause like even in computer science, like you have to write documentation, you have to write comments, yeah. you have to write these things to explain what you're doing and not having that talent to be able to explain yourself is detrimental to not only like yourself. Cause you know, you go back on code you wrote six months ago, you're like, what was I doing? And like mm-hmm. having those comments, having that stuff there to remind yourself, super helpful. Or if somebody else is coming onto the code base for the first time and they're like, what, what is going on? Like writing your documentation efficiently and having those skills is just like, it's, it's incredible. So I think developing your writing muscle is like a huge one. People like, I think a lot of developers, if you're in the grind and you're trying to be a front end developer and you're like, just absolutely looking up all these, these, these technologies, you don't think about writing, but here's the thing at, any job, you're not going to escape email. You're not going to escape <laughs> Slack messaging. You're not going to escape yeah. meetings where you have to clearly communicate and and write documents. And so it's it's really just as valuable, if not more valuable, of a skill. And it can make you stand out because if you have a blog where you've written things and you're in an interview process against somebody that that hasn't done that, well, you have a clear way of demonstrating that you understand some of this technology. Oh yeah, totally. It's, 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 it's very helpful. I think in, in not only the interview setting, but just in like the personal sense of like learning, like teaching, teaching what you learn, like um, being able to voice what you know and better explain it yourself to others. So we've talked a lot about writing on the show and about communicating, but we haven't really talked about how to get into it. And TJ, you mentioned like Chris Coyer's article on, on Flexstar, um, on Flexbox and Flexspaces and blah, 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 all that stuff. (laughs) And one thing to think about when you're when you're building up that muscle is look to see, cause his article, like everybody uses it, try and figure out why that's the case. Try and figure out what he cracked in there in terms of the structure of the thing, how he figured, you know, how he, how he organized the information, read critically for that and then see what makes good documentation and, and encrypt it. 
just crib it, you know, just take it, take the, take the organizational whatever and just apply it to something else. Fine, whatever. But also think about how you, how like build up that muscle by, by doing it, but by also like reading other, other folks critically for that. Yeah. Do what's authentic to you. I would say, (laughs) I would say also, right. Like whatever, whatever you're something about you, you listening here right now, something about you is very unique, right? You have some unique way of communicating of, of writing. Maybe it's, making videos like you want to be a youtube superstar like jack <laughs> the different different ways of communicating and that sort of uniqueness about you will come across if you're really authentic in whatever you put together yeah i think reverse engineering success is the good is a good yeah. way of putting it mm, like finding yes. what works finding what works and then finding how you can do the same thing like doing continuing that pattern is super helpful i've learned from uh this speaking of youtube i sometimes watch like youtubers that I like watching and see some of the the things they do, some of the patterns in their mm-hmm. videos. Yep. And a lot of the YouTubers I want watch aren't tech related, right? But they'll do something interesting and I'll think like, oh, I could do that sort of thing, but like in JavaScript, for right? Or for yeah. tech, right? Exactly. And it's, it's, yeah. it's funny sometimes where inspiration comes from. No, yeah, I want to break into YouTube. I just never, I just haven't really gotten <laughs> there yet. So no, that's a lot of work. Well, Jack has a 20, 24 piece series on freaking. <laughs> it's, it's available for the low Which, cost. Which, by the way, is one of the things you learn <laughs> that people don't want is the is the series. They want like the the free code camp. God, I got like four hour video on something. Yeah. like I guess you can just stop it. You know, <laughs> it's well, it's, it's a grind, right? Getting into YouTube is is no different than getting into software development. It's it's not something you do overnight. It probably also takes you a year or two of like working the muscle, just doing it, learning all the tech behind it, right? It's it, there's there's no shortcuts. If you put in the work, you'll you'll find success eventually. And there can be a lot of embarrassing mistakes along the way, and you got to be able to get over them, get past yourself, and realize that those are actually when you learn the most is when you when you hit the mistake, and and it's gonna be great because then you're gonna have this kind of memory that's like, oh, right, I don't want to do that again, uh, you know. <laughs> No, yeah. I mean, making mistakes is a part of the game. Uh, oh, yeah. Failing is just, it, you're just one step closer to success. So yep. I totally agree with you. It's easy to say, far harder to do. <laughs> it's ah, one of those things. Like, <laughs> it's one of those like things you could totally see on a, a sign. It's like a motivational sign. Right? I was like, say, it's, yeah. Yeah. Colin's got a great future ahead in like motivation. <laughs> Hang in there. Uh, well, Colin, this, this has been an awesome chat. I, I think people could learn a lot from uh, from you telling your experiences. Is there anything we we haven't touched on? Uh, anything else you want to bring up about uh, either Create React app or educational experiences that you want to pass along? I, I did have one final thing. I was just thinking about like just choosing what you want to use. So, like specifically in front end, there's like Svelte, React, like used to be Angular, Vue. Like they have so many choices of what you want to start learning. And I think just like, you know, just choose one and just go with it. Yeah. And like stopping, like stop being like scared of the choice. Like, am I making the right choice, the wrong, like any choice is good. You just got to make a choice and go with it. And that's kind of what started with me. Like I just started using React because it was the most popular framework. And I was like, you know, might as well. And that's, that's kind of where I stuck. Maybe I'll learn another, another framework later, but right now I'm just good with React. So I think just getting over your fear of, messing up and in fear of choosing the wrong thing, you know, it's going to push you one step closer. But in le- learning React, right, you've learned HTML, you've learned CSS, you've learned events, you've learned, you know, component yeah. 
creation, right? And those are going to be across all of the different platforms. Obviously, the core fundamental technologies for sure, but also, you know, most technologies nowadays are going to have components and all that sort of stuff as well. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Boxing yourself everything's in. the same. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Say it. I think that is good advice to wrap up on. So why don't we move into our picks for this week? Have you ever wished that you had a group of people that were just as passionate about writing code as you are? I know I did. I did that for most of my career. I'd go to the meetups. I'd try and create other opportunities. And it was just really hard, right? The meetups, I got some of that, but they were only like once or twice a month. And it was just really hard to find that group of people that I connected with and, and really wanted to you know, talk about code a lot, right? I mean, I love writing code. I think it's the best. And so I've decided to create this community and create it a, a worldwide community that we can all jump in and do it. So we're going to have two workshops every week. One of those or two of those every month are going to be Q&A calls, right? Where you can get on, you can ask me or me and another expert questions. Uh, the rest of them are going to be focused on different aspects of career or programming or things like that, right? So it'll go anywhere from like deployments and containers all the way up to managing your 401k and negotiating your benefits package. We'll, we'll cover all of it, okay? And then we're also going to have meetups every month for your particular technology area. So we have shows about JavaScript, React, Angular, Vue, and so on. We're going to have meetups for all of those things. I'm going to revive the freelancer show. We'll have one about that, right? So you can get started freelancing or continue freelancing if that's where you're at. And I'm working on finding authors who can actually do weekly video tutorials on something for 10 minutes that's related, to, again, to those technology areas so that you can stay current and keep growing. So if you're interested, go to topendevs.com slash sign up and you can get in right now for $39. When we're done, that price is going to go up to $75. And the $39 price gets you access to two calls per week. The, the full price at $150, which is going to be $75 over the next few weeks, that price is going to get you access to all of the calls and all of the tutorials and everything else that we put out from Top End Devs along with member pricing for our remote conferences that are coming up next year. So go check it out, topendevs.com slash sign up. And Jack, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Speaking about self-learning and, and teaching yourself things, when I was a kid, I would see all these folks solving Rubik's Cubes. And yeah. I was like, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm dumb. I can't do a Rubik's Cube, right? And we just happened to have one. Like, here I am, Leo, you know, X number of years later, way too many years later, and we just happen to have one, and I'm, I'm thinking around with it, like, well, you know, whatever. And still like, oh, man, I can't solve this thing, right? You know? And I I actually did a YouTube video. I'm not not me personally. I watched a YouTube video, and I figured it out. I'm, I'll, I'll give you the link in the description. It was, it was really good, but it's cool to get over those things and learn that, well, one, it's not a, a measure of smartness. I wasn't dumb for not being able to do a Rubik's Cube, but also now I can do a Rubik's Cube. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a twofer, right? Yeah, that's exciting. I Yeah. yeah. My Ooh. kids my kids went through a phase where they were addicted to Rubik's Cubes, and they oh, both okay. learned to do them through YouTube also. There you go. Um, there you so go. it's... It's kind of nuts, but I've I've still yet to. So maybe you'll maybe you'll motivate me. Actually, my my big thing that I've wanted to do forever is learn to juggle. So yes, that's, that's the one yes. that's been on my list. So maybe maybe I'll have to find some time. There was a really good. There's like a Kletz's book on on juggling. Oh, it was really yeah. good. Yeah. yeah, 
I don't know, maybe I, I've got to find the motivation, get the right motivational poster <laughs> up and <laughs> right? get it done. There you go. It's all about extrinsic and intrinsic motivations. <laughs> yeah. So my pick for this week is Lenza, Lenza AI. It is an app that is out on, I think, iOS. I, I don't think it's available for Android yet, but they're working on it. But it's one of those apps that just uses AI. And in this case, it's to generate uh, avatar images of yourself. And so basically, the way it works is you have to upload to them 10 to 20 pictures of yourself. So it's got to be photos of just you, uh, like just your, just your face. And essentially, it uses that and then generates, sort of artistically generates some avatar images for you in various pose, like right right now it's doing like holiday ones and anime versions of yourself and sci-fi versions of yourself. And Jack's seen, Jack has seen the results of mine. I did it and, myself, actually. Oh, you did it yourself. Yeah, Excellent. Yeah, yeah. And more than anything, it's amazingly entertaining. Like it's, mm. I would recommend doing it in a group setting or maybe like with your family <laughs> because it's hilarious to just look through because some of them are actually quite good. Like at least in my case, you generate, 55 images. In my case, probably five to 10 of them were really good. And I was like, oh, this is kind of a fun picture to me. And then there's a good bunch that are just ridiculous. And those are actually kind of, in a way, some of the more fun. Yeah, ones. the ones just, like multiple <laughs> arms. <laughs> yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what? What happened there? The AI created a Santa hat for me that had two balls going out the side. And I'm like, what, you know, what sort of computer craziness is, winning. is this? Yeah. So much winning. We should make that hat. <laughs> it's just funny to see the way like a computer does it, but it is a few dollars. Like right now in iOS, it's, 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 it's kind of a, a dark pattern. It makes you sign up for a subscription that you then have to cancel. Oh, so you canceled and, it. Cause I'm, I was, yeah. was going to ask, like you get the fun. Like, oh, it's, you, it, it's silly. I think they know they've got a, like a hype thing right now. So no. they, they force you to sign up for a subscription that's, that's free, but you have to cancel. And then you have to pay four bucks to do the images. So that part kind of sucks. And it feels Ugh. a little bit, I don't know, like exploitative, but the product is amazing. Like yeah. what the end result is almost worse. The, the bad business practices. <laughs> <laughs> so it's yeah. Lenza L-E-N-S-A. Uh, those pictures, I've been seeing those pictures all around social media. They're so cool. Yeah. I've got to do it myself though. Uh, but. It's, yeah, it, it, it's worth it. It's worth the five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Colin, what picks do you have for us? So we, well, we were talking about GitHub Copilot earlier. And yeah. one of my picks was that GitHub Copilot is free for students, which I did not know oh. until the other day. And so any students can download GitHub Copilot, add it to their IDE, and it's free, which is awesome. And so I've just been learning to use it recently myself. Super helpful, super cool, super nice that you don't have to you know, repeat yourself over and over to make the same stuff, just pull somebody else's code. So it's <laughs> awesome. And so I've, I was wanting to tell people about that. And I've also been getting into thrifting recently. So just talking about getting, you know, being better for the environment, going out, going out and getting clothes from Goodwill or some other place and, you know, taking some clothes for yourself and just seeing what you can find. It's all in the hunt, really. It's just finding what cool <laughs> clothes you can get at Goodwill and what are some crazy right. stuff. So what, 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 what? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah my yeah, kid well, loves to shopping. It's Excellent. Well, Colin, this has been a lot of fun. My my last question for you: If if people want to follow you, find your articles, what what's the best what's the best link that we can send people to? Well, my okay, you can go to medium.com slash Colin Pfeiffer, which might be I, it's probably not going to be able to be spelled, but <laughs> you can see it'll be in you can see the name in the podcast players. So oh, make yeah, sure to look up how to spell Pfeiffer. 
<laughs> yeah, that's where my articles are. You can follow me on LinkedIn, same name. And then my website's uh, callingfiverr.dev. So any of those. Excellent. Well, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks for joining us. I had a really good time. Thanks, me too. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, me too as well. Well, thanks everybody. And until next week. See you then. See ya. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.